Anyways, so we're, we're in the middle. I don't want to say we're in the middle of a subject because we did complete a chapter. We completed chapter 7. But chapter 7 and chapter 8 are very related. So in, in, a, in a certain way, we are in the middle of a discussion. Uh, just to refresh your memory, chapter 7, we were speaking about klipa, about klipas noiga, the shiny shell, the translucent husk. That um, it's, we, we call it translucent because the spark, the usefulness, the godliness, but I repeat myself, within it, is covered, but not that covered, meaning you could access it. So you take the coffee and you drink the coffee, you make a bracha, you make sure it's kosher, and you make a bracha and you consume it, and then with the energy in the coffee, you learn Torah, and now that klipas noiga, that neutral spirituality, has become subsumed in the holiness of the endeavor that you are involved in and elevated to holiness. So we spoke about that. We spoke about um, why things are called Asr and Mutter, which we translate as, we normally translate as forbidden and permitted, but we said there's a double meaning of tied down and untied, meaning that which is available for elevation from the mundane to the holy and that which is not available because it is it's not mundane it's actually uh, in the forbidden realm and therefore our only relationship with it is we leave it alone okay all of this sounds familiar okay so Pedagogas chapter 8 so much excitement Pedagogas chapter 8 you see, I told you that chapter 8 is a continuation of chapter 7 because look at the first two words of chapter 8. means furthermore. It's starting the chapter with the words furthermore. In other words, we're building. We're building on information from the previous chapter. Regarding forbidden food, which is why they are called Prohibited matter. We're going to talk more about why prohibited food is called prohibited prohibited matter. Now, this always upsets people, especially like modern-day American sensibilities. They get really sad. It's a really sad story here. Yeah, it evokes like a lot of compassion. Oh, that's not fair. Listen, this is a really unfair story. He ate non-kosher food without knowing. He didn't know. By the way, don't read those cautious reports. Because then you're going to believe that everything you thought was kosher, I don't even want to make... You're making waves. Yeah. No, because if you read the cautious reports, they always say, oh, by the way, you know that thing you bought with the, with the, with the Heksher? Yeah, it wasn't kosher. <laughs> like a month later, it wasn't kosher. Yeah. Okay. So person who eats non-kosher without knowing. Didn't know. L'shem shemayim. Oh, 
and he, he ate it l'shem shemayim. Not only he made sure that the food was kosher, he made sure that he or she had the right mentality. I'm eating this food not just for the fun of it, I'm eating this food because I need the calories to serve Hashem. To serve Hashem with the power of that food. Vigam, now it's getting worse, better or worse, depending on how you look at it. Vigam, Paul came. He successfully did it. Not only he had the intention, I'm going to eat the food and use its energy to serve Hashem, he indeed followed through with that and used the energy to serve Hashem. The Kara, and he studied. And he davened with the energy in that food that he ate. The food that was not kosher, but he had no idea it was not kosher. Here's the part that everyone gets upset about. The vitality in that food does not, does not go up meaning have a spiritual promotion, go to a higher level from mundane to holy, because it wasn't mundane. He didn't realize it wasn't mundane. It was profane. It was lower than mundane. It doesn't get invested into the letters of Torah and Tefillah that he, uh, I mean, he, the calories are, ca- are calories. That's a physical thing. But the spiritual energy did not get lifted up as it it would have happened if it were permissible food. Why? Because that energy and that prohibited food is tied down. Again, we learned that last chapter. Tied down. In the other side, remember we learned in chapter 6 what other side means. Anything that's not for the express purpose of serving Hashem. Which is termed, Shalish Klipsa Timaeus, the three irredeemable Klippas. So it's a very sad story. He didn't know. Maybe you're going to say he was being lazy. He should have looked into it better. No, no, he asked ten people. It's a very sad story. But you ask somebody, this, this, uh, this gas that I'm going to put in my car, this is gas or this is kerosene? It doesn't matter. Ten people tell you that it's gas. A hundred people tell you it's gas. It's a metzias, to use the uh, fancy word. It's a, it's a fact of reality. The status of prohibited and permissible is not arbitrary. They're describing an actual mitzias, an actual spiritual reality. And uh, so you're asking, we had two good questions here. Well, the video cut out. But one was, you're saying, so they went and they ate non-kosher food, and then they use those calories to daven and to learn. Are you saying the davening wasn't davening and the learning wasn't learning? No, we're not saying that. What we're saying is the opportunity to transform the spiritual quality of the food, which could have happened, didn't happen. Okay? 
And then the question about pikuach nefesh, okay? Yes, obviously, in a case of pikuach nefesh, not only a person is permitted, but he has to, he has to do what ha- whatever will be a life-saving measure. And we're not saying the person shouldn't have saved his life, his own life. Of course he should. And we're not saying he did anything wrong. No, he did the right thing by eating the non-kosher food when it was life and death. And yet, the fact remains, the fact remains that the, the food isn't elevated. That's just what it is. Okay. Now, we're going to get even more hardcore over here. Vafilu hu iser de Rabbanan. We were just wondering, is this fat calories or regular calories? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the calories are going to, you're going to be stuck with the calories even if you elevate it. So when you elevate it, it doesn't mean that it has no calories. So. Well, I think the, the Israeli companies called it energia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They figured out some Jewish businessman figured out a word that wouldn't have such bad connotations. Why well, you have to call it calories? Call it energy. <laughs> it sounds so much more positive. I'm waiting for someone yeah. to call it positive energy. Positive energy. The question is though, what happens when you consume more positive energy than you use on a daily basis? You get positively fat, so that's what happens. Okay, the positive energy turns to positive pounds. All right. Vafiluhu iser derabanan. Guys, it's not a joke. Even if the nature of the prohibition that we're discussing is rabbinical in origin, because a lot of times people question that. Like, well, it's not really. Treif, treif, you know, it's not, it's only midrabanan, it's rabbinical. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Does Shulchan Aruch say you can eat this? No. Shulchan Aruch says don't eat this. Doesn't matter if the reason Shulchan Aruch says you can't eat it is because it's based on a biblical prohibition or if it's based on a rabbinical enactment. Some, some, <laughs> Some rabbinical uh, dietary laws aren't, aren't even about kashras. I mean, like, Cholav Yisrael is a kashras concern. But, like, Bishal Yisrael, it's to prevent assimilation. So it's, that's not even a question about kashras. But the point is, it doesn't matter. Prohibited is prohibited. Look in the Shulchan Aruch. Ask your Rav. Ask your LOR, your local Orthodox rabbi. So even if the nature of the prohibition is rabbinical in origin... <clears throat> Actually, he, and he mentions here the rabbinic dictum, that in some respects, rabbinical prohibitions are more chamor, more uh, serious than biblical prohibitions. It's a, it's a, it's a, what? The music gels with the class. Yeah, people tell me that the favorite. The, well, some people tell me they hate it, but I had a few people tell me that they loved it. That that the people who watch online don't realize we have a nursery school class on the other side of the door. So sometimes, yeah, some people told me that they enjoy it. No, but you're talking about 
prohibitions, biblical. We're yeah. thinking about Torah, Torah. Torah, Torah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we should bring them right in here. Yeah. Okay. therefore. Who shade meshadum nuchroin? He says something interesting here. The desire, or the power within you which desires prohibition, is called a foreign demon. I don't know if it's helpful to translate the word shindalit as demon, because you're imagining some type of Gary Gygax type of thing. And I just wanted to say Gary Gygax. Everyone knows who Gary Gygax is, right? No. No. Can you spell that? Gary Gygax? Yeah. I think it's G-Y-G-A-X. He was from Kenosha. No, not from Kenosha. No. Lake Geneva. Lake Geneva. He's from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. He started Dungeons and Dragons. He was a nerd, but he's a rich nerd, and he started Dungeons and Dragons. So anyways, maybe somebody, if you're watching this online and you know who Gary Gygax is, please comment. <laughs> <clears throat> maybe Gary Gygax. Gary? Yeah, I think he is. I don't know. You have to Google him. Anyways, so, <clears throat> yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. You guys remember Dungeons and Dragons? No? So I want to tell you, that was a big myth, and then they made a made-for-TV movie with Tom Hanks called Monsters and Mazes, but it was, it was totally not true. They said that a kid went crazy from Dungeons and Dragons, but it wasn't true. It was actually, it was a myth. I'm here to defend Dungeons and Dragons. Anyway, so I'm not going, I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. What was it? What? It was an excuse to use graph paper, basically, in the 80s. When you wanted to draw on graph paper and have 20-sided dice and you play Dungeons and Dragons. Anyways, I'm not going to translate, that, that's, that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is I'm not going to translate Shindalit as demon because it makes you think about Gary Gygax, except none of you because you never heard of him. But it makes you think of like, I don't know, what do you think of? Fangs and claws. Yeah, okay. A shindalid? Yeah, so first I'm establishing how I'm going to translate shindalid. I'm going to translate shindalid as a negative energy. Not positive energy, which are Israeli calories, like you were talking about. Does shindalid stand for something? Yeah, shade. We just oh, don't shade. say it. Yeah, no. yeah, right. yeah. Because like, you, you don't want to invoke the oh. shindalas. So that's why we say shindalas. Yeah, we say shindalas instead of actually saying it because you don't want to say it because you don't want to, like, you know. Bring them in the room. Bring them in the room. Gotcha. <laughs> they say a joke. Baltruva husband says it's a Baltruva wife. It's kind of sunny in here. Can you lower the shindalits? Seriously? <laughs> no, it's a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants to be careful. He you. also asked his wife, he says, I'm kind of thirsty. Can you give me some ginger kale? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's very careful. He's extra careful. <laughs> you know what also happened? 
the next door neighbor, the FFB husband comes home and the FFB wife says, I put the milchik spoon in the fleshik pot. He says, put it aside and call it off. The BT husband comes home, BT wife says, I put the milchik spoon in the fleshik pot. He says, get the kids, pack the stuff, we're moving. <laughs> okay. Anyways, the shin dalit is the negative energy. And so what does he say here? He says that there's a negative energy within you that craves prohi- prohibited stuff. That is a foreign negative energy. He calls it shading nukhroin, foreign negative energy. He calls it a non-Jewish Yetzirah. It comes from the same level of energy as the idol worshippers. However, in, in contrast, the inner energy which pushes somebody towards indulgence in permissible things, that's called a Jewish negative energy. Okay, all right, we're recording again. What's going on with that? I don't know. I really don't know. You think the Dunkin' Donuts is coming and get me? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like other things. Okay. <clears throat> all right, so just to clarify, Thing, the video crashed again, but okay. Just to, just to clarify. It is a natural thing. It's not good, but it's, it's a natural thing <clears throat> to desire indulgence. So it's not just that I'm going to eat the kosher food. I'm going to eat more of it than I need to. Or to eat it when I'm not even hungry. And that's called the... That's called the... Shaden Yehudayin. It's like a, a Jewish Yetzirah. But then there's something that's actually very unnatural. It's not, it's not normal. But Rabbi, is that wrong? Is it wrong? It's wrong to give in to it. It's wrong to give in to it. It's normal to want it. It's, it's wrong to give in to it. And then there's something called the Shaden Yehudayin, which... That is the desired dafke for the forbidden. So it's not enough that I'm going to go and eat extra dessert. No, now I have to find out what is the, uh, you know, the basa b'chalav or whatever it is, right? I have to have the butter steak. What? Kosher bacon bits is fine. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> no, what we're talking about here is okay, but <laughs> the kosher bacon bits is okay. I mean, if it bothers you, it bothers you. But I'm saying objectively, there's, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. It's not it's not saying anything about the kosher bacon bits. What it's saying is actually what glot kosher bacon bits. Yeah, okay. What it's saying is. That if a person starts getting hankering, like, wow, I gotta try bacon. Hold on a second. Where's that coming from? 
That's not natural. It's natural for a person to say that I'm going to consume things that are permissible to me, but I'm going to do it <clears throat> in an indulgent manner. That's natural. Not good, and you're supposed to control it, but it's natural to you. But to start desiring forbidden things, that's unnatural and it's dysfunctional. So you should be aware of that. If, you're, if, you're, if you have a craving to do something permissible, but to overdo it, I can't believe I ate the whole thing, right? All right, fine. So it's not good to indulge, but I understand where the penchant for indulgence comes from. It's a natural desire. But if I start saying, no, 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 it's not enough to indulge in the permissible. I specifically want the butter steak. Where's that coming from? And you should know it's not coming from you. It's not a Jewish Yetzirah. Yeah. No. We speak about food because it's easy to speak about. But if you remember last week, not last week because we didn't have class last week, but if you remember our last class in chapter 7, we spoke about a lot of different things that are permissible and forbidden. We spoke about food. The other big example we used, because we're adults and we did speak about it, was intimate relationships of a permissible nature and of a forbidden nature. So, the same thing would apply in that category, as well as to all types of other activities that can be permissible or forbidden. Does that answer the question? Yes, but it's unnatural to desire forbidden um, now I'm going to go back to my Gary Gygax um, weird paranormal talk. What the heck? Maybe I'm going to go to the other extreme. I'm going to, I'm going to play up the paranormal talk. When you desire something forbidden, you see, I'm doing like this, because this is paranormal. Paranormal talk. Okay. Ooh, we got to have someone with a theremin in the background. Ooh, okay. I don't really mean these words literally, but it's like just for the fun of it. Think about it as like a kind of demonic possession. I don't really, I don't mean like exorcist uh, demonic possession. What I mean is, what he says if you want to overindulge in something that's permissible, he calls that a native Yetzirah, meaning that was factory settings. It, it's natural. We understand where that comes from. Here's something that you are allowed to have a relationship with, and it's just you aren't doing it mindfully, so you're doing it indulgently. Fine. But then there's something called Shaden Nuchroyim, which literally means foreign negative energy. That's what I'm calling demonic possession. <laughs> I'm saying possession because that's not you. That's not you. That's not just an overextension of your natural desires. That's some foreign desire that came and got put into you. Where, from whence, I don't, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not even sure exactly how it happens. What I do know, what I've seen in the holy books is that it explains that if a person becomes very, very used to indulging in permissible things, ultimately he graduates, so to speak, to 
that not being enough, let's say, and he has to up the ante, and now he needs, he feels, obviously he doesn't need, but now he starts seeking out the forbidden. Okay? Yeah. It's part of the natural Yetzirah, yeah, to overindulge. Not that it's good. It's not good, but yeah. It, and you can fight it. And you can definitely, yeah. You, you can fight it. You should fight it, yeah. Yesterday's Tanya, Skafia, very good. Tomorrow, stop showing off. You've got to stop showing off. Please. Please. <laughs> My star pupil. Okay. Yes. Okay, well, I guess, wow, all right. Can the recording please stop working again? <laughs> okay. According to what we just learned here, something of a prohibited nature I don't want to make stuff up, okay? I'm going to suggest, however, and I'm using words, but don't get too caught up on my words. They're just words, okay? Words are approximations. We're doing our best. That if everything went well in your life, even if everything went well in your life, you would still have built in somewhere a penchant for overindulgence in the permissible, and you'd have to learn how to control it. But, you wouldn't develop the, the, the desire for forbidden things. If everything went well in your life, no trauma, perfect chinuch, great relationships, never exposed to anything you shouldn't be exposed to, if everything went plan A all the way, your, your worst Yetzirah would be that you would want to put extra toppings on your bagel. Right? Wow. That would be... Yeah. But the fact that we desire things that are forbidden, apparently that's coming from somewhere. Or to use the parlance of 2022, what happened to you? Something happened to you. Something happened. There was some damage that caused you not to be satisfied with overindulgence and the permissible, and now you crossed over. Some, how did it happen? I don't know. I'm not pretending to know. But yeah, it's called crossing over. That's the line. What's the line? Shulchan Aruch is the line. The fact that you want to overindulge in the permissible, we know where that comes from. It's called the human condition. The fact that you crossed over to the forbidden, something happened. So up the, what we're saying here is it's, 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 it's not inborn. If it's forbidden, it's not inborn. We picked it up somewhere. Rebbe, yeah. I was just learning that Hashem does make wicked people, but all of us have the ability to fight our challenges, and some of us get harder challenges than others. Yeah. We all have the ability to fight those challenges that Hashem does give us. So we can choose to just let it be and go against Hashem's will, and we can do Hashem's will, 
and say, no, it's this, that. I'm not doing it because even though it's, I'm fighting it so hard inside, I have to be fighting. Yes, Hashem gives us all of our challenges. Look, at the end of the day, even if it's not inborn, even if it's, you know, there's nature, there's nurture, and there's a combination of the two and the cross-section, or the, uh, the intersection of the two, Hashem's in control of that too. So, however it happened... But doesn't Hashem, like, there are certain things to her, it's like, say, idol-worshipping men. I don't think anybody has now, because... Well, that's a different story. Yeah. <clears throat> that was, that, the idol worship was removed from the world, yeah. He could, of course, he could remove. He could remove. Of course, Hashem could remove it. Yeah, yeah. I used to look at newborn babies like a clean slate. Where does the inborn coming from? They have trauma already. Yeah, the babies have trauma. No, but the babies are all survival. The babies are all indulgence. They, a baby can't do anything with shame shemayim. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. When you talk about non-Jews, it's much harder because I, I lack information because Chassidus is really examining in detail the spiritual, psychological, emotional makeup of the Jew. So it's very hard for me to speak with any authority on what it's saying about humanity as a whole. Yeah. So would we say that it's? natural for humanity to want to keep the Sheva Mitzvahs? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to make more stuff up than I already did today. <clears throat> <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys want to talk about hell? No. <laughs> no, because... No, I'm... <laughs> no, I'm... <laughs> we talk about Shandalas, Garo, Well, Gary Gygax. So, I'm going to look it up. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I had a little bit of to the satanic panic of the early 80s. The, yeah, there was like a whole big, the moms in the... Uh, what are you doing back then? I, I'm from uh, Chicago, middle America. I'm, I remember the 80s. The, uh, all the, 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 the Midwestern housewives were afraid of uh, devil worshippers. Really? Yeah. So you want to talk about hell? No, it's the next thing here in Tanya. Let's do it quickly. No, because I'll tell you why. If we don't do it now, then all next week will be devoted to class about hell, and I'm just not into it. All right, let's get it over with. Pull off the Band-Aid. Ladies, we're going to talk about hell. Okay, hell. All right. So You're right. So there's one place in the whole Tanya that speaks about hell, and it's right here, and we're going to do it. Chapter wow. Yeah, not even the whole First chapter. Time <clears throat> First time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going now. Yeah. Okay. yeah. This class. A lot of stuff going on today. Okay. Let's see what happens. Maybe it'll get easier from there. Okay. All right. So we said uh, what we said. Ach yeah. So the, the, the desire to indulge in the permissible can 
<coughs> can, after all, it can be redeemed. Um, but before, before it's redeemed, then it's Sitra Achra. Yeah. So we're talking about stuff that, and we, we mentioned this in the previous chapter, where the, the, the material itself is permissible, and it was just, the what was okay, the how was messed up a little bit, because we squandered the opportunity to do it mindfully. So, he says here, what, <laughs> he describes a scenario where the what was okay and the how was defective. The what was kosher, the how was, was lacking. I didn't, I didn't think mindfully about elevating it. So afterwards, okay, so retroactively you can go back <coughs> and correct your thinking. He says, here's the hell part. Even afterwards, even after he corrects it, the, uh, the remnants of it are attached to the body because he metabolized the food that he ate without mindfulness. So now how are you supposed to get that back? It's not in flux anymore. It's not calories that can still be burned. It's flesh and blood. Every food and drink that you consume immediately starts at least immediately uh, becoming metabolized and becoming your flesh and blood. So what do you do with all the pounds you're carrying that are the physical manifestation of mindless indulgence in the permissible? So you got to get rid of it. It's called Chiba Kever. Getting knocked around in the grave. To clean him up and to purify him from the impurities. It's to remove from you all the, the fat deposits that were put there from uh, improper indulgence in the permissible. Good news, though. If you were like Rabbeinu HaKadosh, like Yehuda Anasi, and you never indulged your whole life, then you won't have to have any Chibu Okay, that's what the word? HaKever. Yeah. So if you never indulge... And by the way, Rabbeinu HaKadosh was, was rich. And he, and it, he had his, his kitchen was stocked with radishes, which was a status symbol in the Roman times. Yeah, radishes, that was like a big deal. So, and here's the th- so that's the point, because if you would say he was a pauper and he never indulged, he didn't have what to indulge in. No, he was rich and he had his table was full of delicacies like radishes. Even in the winter he had radishes. Yeah, him and Antoninus. Lahavdil. Okay, anyways. Oh, so we, we spoke about foods that you shouldn't eat, and we I mentioned uh, forbidden uh, intimate relations. Okay, here's another category, just, uh, yeah, to make life even more fun. What about silly speech? Yeah, just talking stupidity. Not lush and harder, because that's... That's prohibited. We're talking about permissible, wasteful speech. Like an Amoritz who's not capable of learning. 
You know the guys in shul, you guys don't know. You don't know what it's like in the men's side of shul. The guys talk about cars during davening. So boring. But then I realized, don't judge them. That's what they're capable of talking about. They can only talk about cars. What's the women's equivalent? Recipes? Was that a sexist comment? What are the women who are incapable of speaking about toichen? What do they speak about? What? Granite. What? Construction. Granite countertops, construction, Renovation. renovations. People. People. Oh, shaitel? Shopping. Shopping. Okay. Okay, so Devadam Batalem Behatter. Yeah. So for that, if you spoke Devadam Batalem Behatter, silly stuff, wasteful, just ridiculous. Tzarech Latahir Nafshe Mitumazu, the Klipazu. So for that, they have a different machine in hell. To, yeah, it's, yeah, it's called the, the slingshot. slingshot. And it's called the slingshot, from my understanding, because once, oh, we're going to talk about it tonight, the class about uh, consciousness and memory and the afterlife, that after you graduate from embodiment, you're, you're able to learn Torah. And it's a wonderful shear, and you're trying to pay attention to the shear, and while you're trying to pay attention to the shear, some idiot is babbling in your ear. And then you realize, who's the idiot babbling in my ear? You. Me. Wow. It's the recordings of all my stupid conversations. Is after you die? Yes. And so it's called the slingshot because I'm trying to pay attention to the class. It's a great class. And it's like, oh, what is he saying about... Who's in the Super Bowl? Bengals are in the Super Bowl? No, I don't want to hear that. I want to listen to the class. And then you listen to the class. And then and all of a sudden, it's like... Uh, Oh, you know, you could uh, I can lease that car for uh, $400. Oh, oh, that's interesting. No, I don't want to hear about that. I want to... But for how long do you have that slingshot? What? The slingshot? How long does it last? It lasts as long as Gehenna. 11 months. 12 months max. Nobody does 12 months. Nobody does the full time because we have a very liberal parole board. So 11 months. That's what we now. What? Yeah, it sounds like life now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's finish. What about actual forbidden speech? Stuff that's actually forbidden. Not just silly. Actual evil speech. For instance, or for instance, making fun of people. Gossip. Anything like that. That's not silly but permissible. That's actually forbidden. Ain kafakela levada, he says in brackets, levada meaning alone. Kafakela alone is not enough. Moyel, it will not help. Letar lahavir tumase mahanefesh, to remove the impurity from the soul. So he'll also get kafakela for all the Lashon Hoda. But it's not enough, but it's not enough because it's not just indulgent. It's actually beyond indulgent. It's forbidden. For that, he has to go into the real Gehenim. This stuff, I don't know. This is like, like pre-Gehenim. I'm sorry. It's, it's, I can't. not going to censor it. All right? All right. I promise I'm not going to speak about it again, but we're going to speak about it here. Okay, what about, we were talking about before the Devarim Betelim is, is just indulgent and it's not forbidden. Yeah, but we said that was an Ama Oditz, who can only speak about going to the car show on Sunday. 
That's all you can speak about. But what about a guy who's a Talmud Chochem and he could learn? And he chooses to speak about the car show. That's actually forbidden. It's called, it's called Bittel Torah. So for that he needs a little Gehenim. So the kafakela, the slingshot's not going to be enough. You need specific punishments for the bitl teirah. And that's in addition to another punishment he's going to get in the snow hell. Yeah, the Gehenim Shel Shelig. That's any time you do something um, out of fiery passion, so then you'll re-experience it as a burning shame. But if you do something out of like cold laziness, then you re-experience it as snow hell. Snow hell. Like, like it's explained elsewhere. Also a person who studies secular subjects. How bad is it? Well, it's in the category of Like it says in the halachas of Talmud So if you could have been learning Taita and instead you choose to study secular subjects, that's also called uh, Bittal Taita. What? Bittal Taita? Snow hell. So we're going to get to that. We're going to we're 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 going to we're going to give two hetatim, two dispensations. Okay. All right. Let's finish up here. Got a few lines left in the chapter. The He says, by the way, it's all bad. But if you want to compare the impurity that you get from talking about. Um, Stam dvarim betelim, meaning wasteful, silly, mindless stuff, and the tumma you get from studying like deep, like uh, I don't know, real, thoughtful information, like philosophy or something, where there's really what to talk about. He says, actually, maybe it's even counterintuitive to some people, but the deep stuff is worse. Because you sit there and you talk about movies. So it's just metama the midos. It's just uh, defiling your emotional faculties. It's denigrating the, the emotions which come from the elemental air from the holy soul. And it's defiling it by exposing it to Klippas Neuge. Okay, I was saying movies. It, uh, I'm, I'm, it has to be a Klippas Neuge movie, whatever that means to you. I don't know. Documentaries. That's the documentaries. Yeah, so what happens basically is the animal soul is defiling the, uh, the holy, godly soul. That's just by talking about silly stuff. You know, Super Bowl. But if you're just speaking, yeah, sports, whatever, you fill in the blank. Silly, mindless stuff, 
that can only affect your emotions because it's not deep. It's not deep stuff. In contrast, if you speak about deep stuff, who now, and again, you're not talking about forbidden stuff. You're not talking about like idolatry, but you're talking about like stam, secular, so that's not just affecting the midas, the emotions of your godly soul, it's affecting the meichen, the chabad, the intellectual faculties of your godly soul. And so here's a very deep concept about Shviris Hakelim, about the sparks that fell to this world. At any rate, the point is that the smart stuff comes from a higher level, obviously. All right, so what he's saying is if instead of learning Torah, when you could be learning Torah and you're speaking about the Super Bowl, that's not good. But it's only messing up your emotions, because you can only get connected to it on an emotional level. But if you're speaking about philosophy, something deep, now it's affecting your brain as well. So it's worse. All right, you want the dispensations? Yes. Okay. So one dispensation is if you use it for an axe to chop wood. You know what it means to use it as an axe to chop wood? It's a tool for making a living. Meaning, I don't love it. I'd rather be learning Torah. It's just an axe to chop wood. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be fishing. The bumper sticker, I'd rather be fishing. I'd rather be learning Torah. But i got to make a living. So i have to learn some secular stuff. And even the making the money is ultimately to serve Hashem because he says, I need to make money, good money. Berevach means to make good money in order to serve Hashem better. Okay, someone's got to pay tuition. I, or the other dispensation, that's, that's even, you know, that's expert level where you can actually use your knowledge of secular information to serve Hashem directly, not just to make money and then use the money to serve Hashem, but that you directly use your secular knowledge in your Avedas Hashem. Like you. Not like me, no, yeah. no. With Gary Gygax references, come on. V'zehu levracha. That is the reasoning of the Maimonides and the Nachmanides, the Siyoson and their ilk, who did study secular wisdom, and they used all of it, not just like the first thing to use it for your parnosa to be a doctor, the Rambam and the Rambam were doctors, but they used it also, like the Rambam used his knowledge of Greek astronomy to teach the calculation of the new moon, right? That'll be a, an obvious example, all right? And that's... Uh, so you ask your mashpia. Huh? <laughs> that's a personal. That's a personal guidance question. You know, I'm not going to make. I'm not going to make general rules. Okay. Thanks for. Uh, good. Good. We finished chapter eight, and no this is no more help. No more help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.